I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And so we, we'll kind of look at that uh, matter here uh, tonight. Uh the, the ultimate part, if you look at Revelation 17 and understand that it is the religious system, then Revelation 18 is going to be the material system. And uh, I think all of us probably are aware of the grip that materialism uh, can get on us. Uh, if you uh, want to get bit with materialism, just go to the car lot tomorrow and the next thing you know, you'll be looking at your car and you'll think, what a, what a piece of junk this is. And uh, if you want to think that your house is falling in, go to the parade of homes and you'll think, what a, what a shack I live in. And, and that's the consumer part of America. It pulls us and it wants to make us discontent uh, with, with what we have. Now, Jesus said it like this, Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God uh, and mammon. And so there is a global financial collapse that is on the way, and I believe that we're starting to see some of the fishers and some of the early uh, stages of that beginning to happen. I am firmly convinced uh, that, that they're doing everything that they can and uh, some of it's through because this inflation thing is not just confined to America. It's worldwide. It's taking place in Europe. It's taking place in, in China. It's taking place in, in Japan, in Africa. Practically every continent that is in existence, you're starting to see uh, these financial challenges that are being faced and so they're moving us toward uh, some kind, some form of a digital uh, monetary system and, and as it moves toward that place and there is one currency that is gonna be for the world, that's the Babylonian system uh, that is going to work. Now, uh, we may not think of James who was a half-brother of Jesus. Now, you remember Jude was also the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, it is apparent that they, they experienced their conversion uh, after the death and the resurrection uh, of the Lord because prior to that, in fact, I think it's in Mark chapter 6 where that you find out that his brothers, his half-brothers, did not want to have anything to do with him. And so James and Jude both uh, had some point of conversion after the resurrection took place. James was a very prominent leader uh, there in the early church, although he did die a premature death. 
But here's what James writes, and we often don't think of him as a prophet because you start reading through the book of James and you think that there's a lot that's just for practical Christianity, but there's one phrase in the book of James that kind of sets him aside uh, as a part or a mark of a prophet. So let's look at that in verse 1 of chapter 5. Here's what he says. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Now here's where he's a prophet. And I've kind of highlighted that and I apologize for the notes. My notes are color-coded. My scriptures are always in red in my notes. And uh, so because I forgot to make them uh, black, then it kind of shows up in a lighter copy there on your notes. But look at that phrase there. I highlighted it and bolded it and underlined it. Uh, it says, Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. And it does not matter. Okay, we're in America, we're, we're capitalists, which I think is probably the best form of of. Um, of financial growth or whatever. However, uh, you know as well as I know that the capitalist is the survival of the fittest and the communist, the way they operate, uh, very much toward uh, the socialist model, uh, that every part of that, that you always have somebody that's up at the top of the pyramid and there's people that are down in the bottom that are being crushed and James speaks to that. James speaks to that matter. And so what are a couple of things that we can pull out of that? The sin of the wealthy is grievous because it's being committed in the last days and the sin of the wealthy is grievous because it is so self-centered. Now think about this. We had a prominent trial in our nation just a few months ago uh, with Jelaine Maxwell, or however you pronounce her name, and Jeffrey Epstein, who owned an island somewhere out in the, I think the Caribbean or somewhere. Anyways, it was a playground for the rich and the famous. There were a lot of dark things that went on in that place. Now, when you start thinking about you have the ability to get on private jets and hopscotch around the world, and you have unlimited wealth at your hands, it can create in your mind a very powerful sense of pride so that you think that you're totally in charge. Now, there was one man in the Scripture, and I believe that's in Daniel chapter 4, whenever Nebuchadnezzar got to the place that the Lord said, I tell you what, uh, you're at the top of the food chain, but I'm fixing to take care of you. And the Bible tells us that the Lord flipped something in his mind, and he literally was insane for seven years, was out in a pasture, was out eating like he was a cow, 
and, and his nails grew out. He was an awful, um, in an awful place, an awful condition. And that's where we have to understand that the rich and the famous, that there's coming a day that they're going to have to answer for their actions. And then the second thing is the sin of the wealthy is grievous because it is so self-centered. Keep in mind that whenever the Lord said this statement, it was not metaphorical. Which some people think, oh, well, that's metaphorical. It's not metaphorical. Here's what he said. He said, it's going to be easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. You remember he said that? Now people, oh, well, he was just using a metaphorical statement. No, in that part, the Lord was using a word picture that you hold up a needle that's got an eye and we're going to try to take a camel and stuff that camel through the eye of the needle. The Lord said it'll be easier for for a camel to get through the eye of the needle than it will be for a rich man to be saved. And all of us in here in this room are wealthy. We really are. We, we are in the top 5% of the world's population. If you have a watch on tonight, and I got a watch, and Lord forgive me, I love pens and watches. I've always loved pens and watches. And um, I had a Timex watch when I was a kid, and uh, we went to pick butter beans over at my aunt's house and. And I know my mother may have forgot about this, but anyways, I love watches, and I still love watches. And uh, they, some of the watches got sentimental value to me. I've got probably 25 watches. Now, they're not Rolexes and tags, and I mean, I'd like to have one, but anyway. Uh, but I just like watches, and we were picking tomatoes picking peas, picking butter beans. I think my mother and my aunt was probably picking peas, and Mark and I were having a big time and uh, anyway somehow or another that watch got ended up in the washing machine because I think it got put in my mother's skirt pocket and uh, oh it was like the end of the world that Timex watch and they ended up my aunt bought me or I don't know somebody bought me a new watch to replace that but if you have a watch tonight you're in the top 5% of people and you think oh my goodness a watch yeah, just a $20 watch that you can get at Walmart. That's how wealthy we are. And sometimes that money can cause us to think that we are in control. And we have to watch that. We have to make sure. And so look there in Revelation chapter 18 and look in verse 20, verse 18 and look in verse 12. The Bible says there the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all other fine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors, odors, ointments, frankincense and um, you get involved with wet shaving and brushes and soaps and all that stuff that's some of what I'm 
reading about here tonight, and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beast and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee and thou shalt find them no more at all. And that's a list of items that that's what we're seeing that's going to take place there in that final uh, empire there of uh, the Babylonians. Now, when you look at that, every bit of that is going to collapse in a matter of one hour. And yet here's what's taking place. Centered in that area of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq or Persia, okay, or no, Persia, I think, is Iran. Uh, but in modern-day Iraq is where Babylon uh, is going to be. The prosperity of that place is going to attract the merchants from all over the world. And here's what's going to happen. There, the, the financial centers, the leading financial centers at that time will no longer be New York and Paris and London and Geneva, Switzerland and, and Davos, um, and Tokyo and Beijing, which right now are kind of some of our, our major financial centers, that will not be the case in this matter of Babylon. Babylon will have surpassed every one of them and there will be a global financial system. Now keep in mind that all while this is going on, that you've got a false prophet and you've got a beast, the Antichrist, that are all working sort of in tandem and they're opposed to anything and there are tribulation saints uh, that are going to be persecuted and very much uh, some of them will be martyred during this period of time. But whenever we look at the destruction of Babylon, it's, it's shocking how sudden that it's going to come to pass. Look at verse 8. Uh, there. The Bible says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Look at verse 10. The Bible says there, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And then in verse 17, the Bible says, For in one hour so great riches is come to naught or nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by the sea stood afar off. And then look at verse 19. The Bible says, And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, costliness for in one hour she is made desolate. Now, I don't know if you uh, recall from American history in 1929, uh, there was a huge collapse and it kind of ushered in the Great Depression. And uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're a reader and you, and you like to read 
And maybe if you don't like to read, you ought to, um, you ought to read this book written by John Steinbeck called The Grapes of Wrath. And uh, we had to read that book whenever I was in high school and then several years after it all come out, Sister Sam, you must have done that homeschooling. And, uh, and, and in a few years after I graduated, I picked that book back up again and read it again. And when I was older, some, some things kind of leaped out at me that didn't kind of I didn't pick up on so much when I was in high school because when I was in high school, I was being forced to read it. And uh, when you're forced to read stuff, it don't connect with you as much as you just enjoy reading. But the Jodes is the family uh, that it kind of follows after. And they start from Oklahoma, the Dust Bowl, and they start trekking toward the west to try to get to California out into where the valleys are, where they grow the grapes, and a lot of the wine-making process uh, comes in. But what's interesting about the Jodes is they talk about tent revivals and uh, preachers, although they cast some of the preachers in a very bad light, uh, which probably says something about John Steinbeck. However, uh, it still kind of is a story about them moving. Well, whenever in 1929, whenever the financial collapse took place, there were people in the U.S. that were committing suicide. And, uh, and so when money takes place or things take place like that, you can see the distress in people's minds because of what is taking place uh, with, with their money. And, and so when you look at this, Revelation showed us the way to spiritual death through a false system of religion, and now Revelation 18 shows us the way to physical death through a false material kingdom of wealth and carnal security. Okay, so let's dig in. John gives us six reasons as to why that Babylon is going uh, to be destroyed. Verse 2, the Bible tells us, look at there, it says, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and hold every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So the first reason that Babylon is going to be destroyed is because of her sorceries. And uh, so keep in mind that the beast, the false prophet, and the false religious system all playing and working in tandem together and when the world has a tendency, we, we don't really need God whenever everything's going well. I hate to say that, but when the bills are paid and when we're healthy and whenever we feel good about ourselves, there's a tendency to say, you know, God, you know, he just kind of a, on the back burner. Lord, just help me. Just help me accomplish my dreams. Help me to get good things in life and, and I'll be happy and, and I'll be fat and sassy. And then whenever things starts tightening down, that's whenever people start saying, uh, hey, we got to have God. We, we got to get to the church. And in 88, 88 Reasons, written by Edward, Edgar Wisenhunt, who was a mathematician, he probably should have stayed in the area of math, but he took the Bible and decided he's going to give us 88 reasons the Lord was coming back in 88. 
And I was 22 at the time, and it was amazing how many people started running back into the church. Brother Patterson, <laughs> they had some folks wanting them to baptize them, and and uh, he was over at off night at the church, and he want, they wanted him to baptize them. They were so upset and uptight, they thought the Lord was coming back, supposed to come back in September, and he didn't make it. And then they changed it and said it was going to be October, and he didn't make it. And then they said he was on 89, and he didn't make it. And then they changed it to 94, and he didn't make it, and so, et cetera. You know, kind of know, get the picture there. But, but what happens is, is people don't need God as long as they are carnally secure in their minds. And so because there's an absence of God at that time, what, what takes place? Well, uh, the occult and mysticism, uh, the demonic opens up in an even greater way, and that's where you start looking that Babylon has become the habitation of devils and of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, I don't know if you go to Barnes & Noble very much, uh, but you ought to go to the magazine section sometime, and you ought to look at the magazine section, and you would be amazed at how, much, how many magazines appeal to the occult, to Wicca, Wicca and to witches, and to warlocks, and to Dungeons and Dragons and all that kind of stuff, you would be shocked. You would also be shocked if you would go into what they call the young adult reading section. Now, most of these books are geared toward young women uh, because the, the, most of the guys, they don't read. They play video games. But when you walk into the young adult section for, for, the, for the young ladies, it's amazing hundreds of books that are written how dark that the covers and the themes of those books are. There's a lot of paranormal romance, uh, a lot of vampires, uh, a lot of witchcraft, and our, it appeals to them, to the young ladies to read that stuff. And, uh, and so what's taking place? Well, it's a, it's a system of, of Babylon that is at work uh, in, in our world. Now, uh, somebody from our congregation gave this, and since we're live streaming and, and this is going out on a podcast or MP3, I'm not going to tell you who give it to me, but this has to do uh, with some of the things that's taking place now at Disney. And Disney now is more than just Mickey Mouse and Minnie and Goofy and Pluto and back whenever I was a kid. Now, here's what's taking place. Lightyear, same-sex kiss restored amid Pixar backlash uh, to Disney don't say gay support. Uh, Disney now is becoming and used to be called the happiest, most magical place on the world, on the earth, or the happiest place on the earth. Now is becoming the most woke place on the earth. Now, if you're not familiar with that term woke, uh, what that means is is that means that you are at a place 
where that you want to look at the world objectively and with tolerance and you want to give room for any kind of lifestyle and any kind of whatever thoughts that people have and you have to be tolerant of their, their views. Uh, but Disney is heading in the wrong direction. And I, I would just say, and I didn't have time to bring it in here tonight, but I had a lot of scriptures as far as, well, I didn't put them in the notes, but uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the prophet Jeremiah was very much in conflict with Babylon. And if you sit down and you start reading through the book of Jeremiah, you find out that Jeremiah is battling against the influence of the Babylonian world system that's taking place at that moment because they're about to be taken captive and taken back to the land of Babylon. And if you ever wonder how come that Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet is because he's looking at his nation and he is weeping. One of the places where he says, oh, that my eyes could be rivers of tears. You ever read that in the Bible? You ever feel like that? Oh, I feel like that. I get to looking around sometimes and I get so depressed. I hate to say that because I look at the state of the church. I look at the state of the nation. And yet here's what Jeremiah says. In Jeremiah chapter 12, this is another reason that he was a weeping prophet. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why do all who are treacherous, why do they thrive? You see that phrase constantly popping up through the book of Jeremiah. Disney films, although never Christian, used to reflect a significant degree of Judeo-Christian ethic that once permeated the culture of the West. And most families used to consider Disney movies safe for kids despite there being some places where that they had witches and sorcerers and spells and goblins. Disney movies in Disneyland were considered safe for families. Disney parks were seen as places to have fun and experience various movie characters and scenes throughout the park. However, Disney has changed and now they are impacting families with a very anti-biblical agenda. And when you start looking at some of the headlines of the news media in the last several years, uh, here's what you find out. This is from the Daily Wire, March 21, 2022. Uh, after his comments, a panel of LGBTQ activists gave a talk to, one Disney, to what one Disney staffer said was about wanting Disney to indoctrinate kids. This was followed by an address from Nadine Smith, one of the nonprofit group of the nonprofit group Equality Florida, and one employee described the presentations during the meeting as a strategy session for circumventing the will of mothers and fathers. And these activist employees and outside organizations recognize Disney's cultural significance and they said they want to use the company to make an end around parents through content creation and political pressure. They see it as their mission to rescue the next generation from their conservative parents. Now, I don't want to turn this into a political deal. However, 
Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida has stood up against that and has created a ruckus. He's created a massive ruckus. This week, um, he chose not to fund uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, which is a baseball team. He was going; They wanted $35 million to help them with a stadium down there. And he said, no, we're, we're not going to do that because of the agenda that you present and that you're moving forward with. And again, these people are taking significant amounts of criticism uh, in the press. You probably don't know who this man is. He used to pastor. He's dead now. His name was D. James Kennedy. He pastored Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church 40 years ago. I think it's in Jacksonville is where Coral Ridge Presbyterian used to be. But D. James Kennedy and James Dobson used to be very much uh, in the forefront of trying to move uh, some of the matters to preserve families. Well, James Dobson is probably uh, pushing 90 years old now. Uh, D. James Kennedy is dead. And now you've got other men that are stepping in and that are trying to fight against. And I'm just going to tell you, that's where we need to take, take Romans 13 at heart. That's also where we need to take, I think it's 2 Timothy 2 at heart, where that we pray for the magistrates and that we pray for governors and kings and prime ministers and presidents because these are very politically powerful people. And yet, what's taking place? We know from Scripture that the Babylonian influence is moving them in a direction. And what are they doing? And you've heard me say this before. Our, our children, you may be able to sit there and to watch something. And I, I hate to even, I, I, I hate to even admit and even think that there are people in this church that you have got a massive altar in your living room and you let the filth from Hollywood pour into your house and it's nothing but an avenue of the demonic. Now when I was a kid, preachers preached against television. Now, now think about this, okay? It's almost like you want to laugh now. They were preaching against Andy Griffith and Gomer Powell and the Beverly Hillbillies and they were preaching against gun smoke. Like, what in the world? I mean, how in the world can anybody not like Festus? And when I was a kid, I mean, it was, pro, it was prohibited. You don't have a television in your house. But we're in a day now, and it makes what I'm trying to do so uphill. I get in here and get to preaching sometimes and I think, dear God, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I move this congregation? Why, why can't I get them stirred spiritually? It's because I'm fighting 168 hours a week. That's how long is in your week. You come to church for two hours on Sunday morning and you come to church for two hours on Sunday night and we're here for an hour and a half on Wednesday night and you expect me to set a spiritual stick of dynamite up under you and pop you up and inspire you and encourage you and make you feel good about yourself. Boy, it's tight in here right now. 
How in the world? How in the world? First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter six. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You hear that? Now we think about that a lot of times. That that's for marriage, and it is. But it covers way more than marriage. And whenever you let these people parade and walk in your living room and you listen to their voices, I hardly have a chance of trying to get you turned around and moving in the right direction. And then what you do is you walk out of here and you're like, oh dear God, I wish Brother Philip was like Brother Patterson. I wish he'd get some, he just kind of relax about something. I wish he'd kind of, he's got such a bad attitude. No, I'm like Jeremiah. I'm weeping. I'm weep. I'm gonna stand before the Lord one of these days and the Lord's gonna say, what'd you do with that church I told you to pastor? Well, Lord, I, I didn't want the peer pressure. I didn't want to, whenever I feel, felt their spirit, whenever I could feel it, I, 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 I shrunk back from that. I'm just telling you now, when we get to heaven and the Lord looks at me and says, uh, Philip, what did you do with that church I told you to pastor? I'm gonna have put myself so into this thing that I'm not gonna stand before the Lord and be an unashamed workman. I'm gonna be somebody that Lord I, I, I tried my best. I tried to pray that I would present it with a good spirit. I, I tried to do everything I could to try to draw people in. I read a quote today, and oh man, it just it troubled me. Leonard Ravenhill, and some of you, he's dead. This is what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, I doubt 5% of the Christian church in America is converted. You, you think, think about that. Leonard Ravenhill. That means that 95% of people who walk in and out of churches are lost. What, 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 what is that? It's the system of Babylon. And the Lord has seemingly allowed companies to prosper from a human perspective. And what's taking place? Here's what's taking place, and there's several more pages to this, and, and uh, it's very provoking. Um, and the fellow that wrote this is not Pentecostal. And he did a good job with it. So, so what is taking place? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. You know what that says? It says, The God of this world hath blinded their, their what? Their what? Their minds. He, he didn't say he blinded their eyes. He said he had blinded their minds. What happens when your mind gets blinded? The same thing that happens in Genesis 19, that whenever those angels visited Lot's house, 
And those homosexual men were trying their best to get into the house, and what happened? They were smitten with blindness. And yet in the middle of their blindness, they're still trying to, they're trying to get in, trying to open the door up, trying to get their way. Can you imagine? I mean, if I was in the middle of that and all of a sudden I'm trying to commit some sinful act and God strikes me with blindness, I'm like, oh, oh we, we better stop. But the enemy had so blinded their minds. And so our little grandchildren, oh, Jesus, our little grandchildren who have no filters and no discernment have that stuff poured into their minds. But if they backslide when they're teenagers, then here's what happens. I tell you what, if the youth program at the church was what it ought to be, they wouldn't have been lost. Brother Harrelson, Brother Patterson, if y'all would have been doing what you would have been doing, then my kid wouldn't have been lost. That, that, that's the way that works. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us to wake up. Help, help us to pray. And I, I piled on the pastor Sunday when I was preaching about prayer. 22 minutes a day, average that's the average. And so if pastors are only playing, praying 22 minutes a day, I got a feeling that the pews are praying even less than that. Sister Bailey, you called me Monday and you told me. Remember what you told me? Right? But you told me that prayerlessness is like breathlessness. If you're prayerless, you're breathless. If you're breathless, you're dead. If I'm praying, it's hard to backslide when I'm praying. Oh, it's hard to backslide when I'm praying. It's, it's hard. It's hard for my consecration to flag whenever I'm praying. And so Babylon is destroyed because of her sorceries. Uh, she's also, look at verse 3 there. I got the verse reference wrong. Change that in your notes there. That shouldn't be verse 2. That should be verse 3. It says, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So she's going to be destroyed because of her sorceries and now because of her seductions because Babylon is going to be the immoral playground of the rich and the famous and they will have become drunk with Babylon's liquor. Jeremiah 51 and 7. And the only way for the Lord to stop the progress of that wickedness of Babylon is for him to destroy it. And then she's going to be destroyed because of her self-glorification. Look at verse 7. How much, I love the way the King James translators use this. 
how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and, and no more a widow and shall see no sorrow. And because of her self-glorification and her self-aggrandizement, the Lord says, I'm going to take her down. But she's also going to die because of her slavery. There's several types of slavery. Verse 13, see there toward the end where it talks about slaves and souls of men. Several types of slavery, the mental slavery that the system heaps on them. And, and again, I, I just want to tell you, the pressure that you feel mentally in our world today, the pressure that you feel, it's a lot of it has, has spiritual roots to it. And, and the, the devil is making war with the saints. That's why you feel some of the pressure that you feel. Now, now the way to respond back to that pressure is to pray, to fast, to immerse yourself in the Word of God. And I, I, I again, I, I know you're like, man, what you... You always just want to do more church and you want to preach more and you want us to pray more. I'm just telling you, it's your lifeline. I mean, it's, it's like Scripture getting wired to you and preaching and teaching. Now again, it's more than just intellectual taking in. Christian life is more than that. It's walking in this world with a purity and not being defiled by it. And so the, the, the mental slavery, but then the trafficking of men, women, and children that get trapped into forced prostitution is going to be at an all-time high. Human trafficking that's taking place in this world is today, and we're kind of shielded from it, but it is unbelievably shocking. Now, I, I know you'll think I'm fall over and hit my head, and I may have. I may have flipped over in the back in my study and bumped my head on the floor real hard, okay? But that tsunami that took place back in 2003, 2002, 2003, that tsunami that took place, it was in Indonesia or Thailand or where, somewhere like that. It was in where? Thailand? Y'all remember that? Did, did you know that Thailand is one of the highest areas that sexual trafficking takes place. And these businessmen from all over the world fly in and they pay money. And in the process of them paying money, they can imbibe in every kind of debauched immorality that they want to buy. I believe that that tsunami actually was, some of that was the judgment of God. And you say, oh, my goodness, some of those were innocent people. Yes, they were. They were innocent. Some of, some of the innocent got destroyed in the flood that Noah went through. Some, some of the innocent got destroyed in Exodus 12 in the Passover. There, there, are, there, are, there are things that take place in our world because of the detrimental effect that sin has. I wish our whole church was here tonight to hear what I'm saying. Oh, I I'm, I'm, thank God that y'all are here, but I wish the whole church was here tonight. 
because somebody told, I don't know if y'all know who John MacArthur is, but uh, somebody went and heard him recently at Truth Conference, and they said he told him he was an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> See, and I, I don't want to purposely offend you, but I want to make you think. I, I want to want to make you just come come on. You got to wake up. I don't like when Doctor Reed tells me, like Philip, <laughs> you get your act together. Your your your. Uh, what do you call it, Justin? Cholesterol, what's the other one? Huh? Yeah, how did I forget that? The A1C, A1C is too high. Oh, Dr. Reed, don't worry about it. A1C is too high. Well, that's dealing with diabetes. A1C is too high. Your cholesterol is too high. You, 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 you BM. <laughs> oh, Lord, don't talk about that. <laughs> Y'all know what the BMI is, don't you? Your body mass index. Well, I fit into the coke. I fit into the category of being obese, and and and. Uh, but but I pay Doctor Reed to talk to me like that. And when I walk out of there, I'm like, okay, well, you got to get back on the treadmill. We we got to get back serious about this thing. But here's what's funny: is we're more prone to listen to a doctor try to straighten us out than we are a preacher. Oh, Jesus, help me. Please help me, Lord. Please. Help me, Jesus. And then in 1824... She's going to be destroyed because of her sacrifices... And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all and of all that were slain upon the earth. Babylon hates God and will murder the righteous prophets and the saints that are present at that time. Look, look, just back up and look to 17 and 6. Here's what he says. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. That word there could also, he wondered with great awe and great mystery. And that's the Babylonian system that, that we're in. And I'll conclude with this part right here, okay? But let's, let's look at verse 21, 18, 21. The Bible says, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of the harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman and whatsoever crafty be shall be found any more in thee and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee for thy merchants were the great men of the earth and for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived I'm going to point out something to you here okay 
and I've made them bold. I don't know if you can see that in, in your notes, but, but look at verse 21. No more at all. Verse 22, no more at all. Look at verse 22 further down. It says, any more. And then, no more at all. Verse 23, no more at all. And then verse 23 again, no more at all. When you study 